Well, hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm very excited to be chatting with our guest, Deanna Boyden, who is a self-proclaimed accidental real estate investor with an accidental portfolio, which now spans three countries and allows her and her, her wonderful husband to live a lifestyle that uh, most people would be very, very envious of. But they have designed that by design. So Deanna, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Hey, Dave. So excited to talk to you today. You're one of my favorites. (laughs) Well, thank you. You say the nicest thing. So for everybody watching this, listening to this, I'm looking a little different. I'm in a different backdrop. I'm down here in beautiful La Cruz de Guanacaxley, Mexico right now. A little bit of a family emergency. So if you hear chickens squawking, if you hear mariachis playing, if you hear construction happening, that's what's going on here. All right. So anyhow, let's jump in. So Deanna, tell us a little bit. Uh, but, well, let's let's jump right into the middle of it. What does your portfolio look like today? And then we'll we'll reverse engineer and see how you guys got into the wonderful world of real estate investing in the first place. So, what does your portfolio look like as of today? We're at the end of March, twenty twenty three. Great, good question. Uh, so, right now, Canada, we're invested sort of coast to coast, British Columbia, uh, with the student vacation rental, all the way to New Brunswick where uh-huh. we're actually doing a development project out there that is about 242 units right now. A uh, little bit of stuff left in Ontario. Um, so that's Canada. In the U.S., of course, we, you know, we get to live here part-time, which is great. Mm-hmm. And currently, um, I just got back from Savannah, so this could change very quickly. Uh, but right now, we're holding in Texas and Arizona. No, sorry. Texas and Florida right now, um, as well as and and your portfolio, what would you say is the mix between single family homes and multifamily properties at the moment? So in Canada, um, we're getting out of some of the things that I call sort of our, you know, the legacy mom and pop type of portfolio. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we first got into this, we were both working, we had small children, and we built a portfolio of townhomes. For us, that's what really worked. They were nice. lower maintenance. They were easier to run. Uh, we self-managed a lot of them, so we didn't need a property manager. You know, you're not worried about as much with townhomes or condos as you are with single-family homes. Mm-hmm. And we got into some of the smaller multis, maybe two and three units. Um, we did a lo- we do a lot of passive. Um, so the last maybe ten years, we started doing more passive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but now on the Canadian sort of mom and pop portfolio uh we've last couple of years we've started sort of you know getting rid of some of that we do a deep dive on the portfolio every year Mm -hmm. Uh, i think that's really important apples to apples comparison and uh, we can't save the ones that we love so we (laughs) sit down and we run the numbers yeah just take a cold hard look at those yeah that's really important because so many of us get attached to that legacy property that we bought way back in the day or in my case i recall this it was it was a family property it was handed down from my grandfather to my father to my brother and i and there's there's all this mental baggage that comes along with that kind of stuff i wish i had to listen to your wise advice and just take it a cold hard look at things a lot earlier yeah, you can't lie with a spreadsheet, right? We've, we've bought a property just down the road from our house that we always sort of hung on to, um, a little bit of emotion attached to that one, and it's convenient. Uh, we kept a 25-year mortgage on it, 
Um, and so we could always justify, oh, there's no cash flow, you know, but, but it kept having babies. Every five years, there'd be a nice little refi, mm. take the money out and do something. Um, and so I always felt I was sort of protecting that one. Um, and then, you know, you, you get to see if you take a look at them, run those numbers. What is your overall return? Some of them you're getting great mortgage pay down, but mm-hmm. you can't account for that. When the cash flow is low, you kind of think, oh, it's a dog. We should get rid of that. But look at the numbers, apples to apples. Once you get something like analysis wise set up for that, it's easy to do once a year. And you might be bringing in new properties, letting some properties out. And then of course you should know when to sell them. So, you know, if you're, if you are um, giving up your income for a year, stepping out of your day job, becoming an investor, sometimes that's a great time to sell them and take the capital gains then. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have to sell all of them. Take maybe tell one of them to replace. That's so, Deanna. It sounds like you guys have had a very interesting journey, and you've gone from being, as you call yourselves, mom and pop real estate investors, to now what I would I would call very sophisticated, accredited type investors. You were doing a lot of passive type stuff. Now you're seems like you're jumping back in, but at a higher level, at the development level, that sort of thing. So. Why don't, why don't we rewind, go, let's go back to when did you guys start investing in real estate and what sparked that in the first place? Okay. So as teenagers growing up in a small town, this was before Airbnb or VRBO. We just had a vision of perhaps owning three or four properties and spending our time amongst them. And at the time we were so sophisticated our world was so small that we thought one of those would be on Vancouver Island. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe Hawaii. Hawaii was as big as we could sort of imagine. Um, so, sorry, just out of curiosity, which small town in Alberta were you guys based in? Pincher Creek, Alberta. And That's a I small had, one. That is, well, and I lived in Waterton and went to a two-room schoolhouse. Holy smokes. Park. Yeah. Well, I, I went, I grew up in Taylor Flats, British Columbia, population 600 at the time that I was going up there. It's, it's ballooned up to about a thousand now, but yeah, I, I understand small towns for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Nothing like them. Uh, and, and we love, we love ours. Uh, yeah. So we, we, that's what we thought we would do. Um, we actually made money on our, the first home that we ever bought yeah. uh, was a single wide trailer in Campbell River, British Columbia. And that was the first investment property that you guys bought? That was our first home. Um, so we bought that, but we made money when we sold it, when we left. Okay. There. So you're, so- you're, you, you moved from Alberta to BC for a while. You're living in yeah. Cabaret. Lived out right. on the island. And nice. we understood that, you know, the value of these things. And as you're chasing that first property, you know that the values are rising. So it really sunk in that if we could get our money into real estate, it would grow. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have any mentors you know, we didn't see a lot of that. There were, you know, growing up, there were probably a couple old guys who owned the rental properties in town, but we didn't understand the business. Yeah. Um, so we didn't see it. And I, that's why I think the work that you do that, you know, that we all do in helping to educate people is really important because if you can see it, you can be it. And yes. I often think, what if we had known more or if we knew to seek information, then uh, maybe we would have gotten a, a better start on it. I, I think you, I think you guys have, give yourself a little, a little <laughs> bit of a break there, Deanna. I think you're doing all right. So, so what year, what year was that first trailer that you bought on the island? But, uh, early nineties. That what you started in the early 1990s. 
Yeah, yeah. You don't look old enough to. You must have been a teenager when you started that for credit. <laughs> Literally, just out of school, and and you know that's that's what we did. Then we nice. moved back to Calgary. Um, our first son was born. We moved back to Alberta to be near family. We yeah. assumed a mortgage without qualifying. Uh, could, back yeah. in the good old days, yes. Yes, yes. So we assumed more house than we had a right to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I remember those payments were $1,200 a month. And mm-hmm. I remember that because it was hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we knew that house was was going to be be kind to us. And sure enough, it was. So we built a house. And that's when we kept that first one. Our banker said, well, you know, the sale price wasn't going to be as high as we liked. And he said, you can actually afford to keep both of these. And so that's how we got started. We hired a property management company. Again, we knew nothing. I think they were charging us 30%. Ooh, wow. And they literally taught us what not to do. So we sat back and watched them and we realized, well, that doesn't make any sense. We found the tenants even. Uh, and, you know, so we, we, we learned a lot of what not to do. And we started to understand there's a right way and a wrong way to do this business. Okay. Um, and then as we went along, that's why we bought townhouses. For us, they were easy. We bought in a market that we knew. We knew Calgary. We knew our micro market. We knew our, you know, our quadrant of the city. We started buying townhouses and that's sort of how we got started. And the passive side in the newspaper, this goes back a ways. I saw a land development deal that was RRSP eligible. So I cut that out and I took it to the wrong person. I asked the wrong person and it was my banker. (laughs) That piece of paper, crumpled it up, threw it in the garbage and told me, don't do that. You'll lose all your money. And she cost us 10 years. Mm. Now, I also like to think, well, maybe I wasn't ready because I didn't keep asking. I wasn't tenacious enough. So I have a lot of admiration for the people who are here getting themselves educated, those that keep asking the questions. I met a lady who told me she was on her sixth mortgage broker on one deal, and she finally got that property approved. And I just thought, holy smokes, I had so much admiration for her that she had the tenacity to keep going. Yeah, a lot of people don't. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Interesting. So, Deanna, these the townhouses that you were buying, were you guys just self-financing those at the time? What what were you doing to come up with the down payments and qualifying for mortgages and all that kind of stuff back in the day? Was That's it just exactly. a lot easier? Well, I don't think it was a lot easier. Um, it was a little more straightforward. And then, you know, we 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 understood I actually worked for CMHC for a few years. Mm. Uh, and that really helped me to understand the system as well. So we knew then as our kids got older that when they moved away, we should have by them a place to live as a secondary home. You could get in with 10% down at the time, right? They both did deals um, passively with student loan money. You know, you, you you understand how the system works and you work within yeah. it. Nice. And, yeah. and that has really helped us. Um, so we, we built up to what we thought we wanted and needed. And it was fantastic but we still love this business so much um, that that's what we decided to sort of, you know, change how we were doing things. And that's when we started looking at maybe selling some of the properties um, mm-hmm. and making the moves that would allow us to create a, a 2.0 level, if you will, of truly going from just being investors in properties to creating a business around investing as a whole. And when and when was that, crazy. Deanna? About how long ago was that that you guys made that? Switch, I would say, you know, we probably started 
getting getting into that a little bit about five years ago mm-hmm. and then it was only about three years ago that we decided okay I left my job I was working in Washington DC spending a lot of time on airplanes um, so I left that job and became full-time in real estate and we really got comfortable with the idea of assisting others to get investing in real estate cool. versus the idea of asking other people to invest with us. Well, let, let's let's unwrap that a little bit. It sounds like we're going to get into one of my favorite topics, which is about raising capital and bringing on private investors. So let's let's rewind before you got so so sophisticated and 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 at the stage that you guys are at now. What did your first partnership kind of look like where you brought somebody else in on a deal? Oh my goodness. Is this one of the cases where do as I say, not as I do? Or, I, I, or the other way around? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you sort of what not to do. Sure. Um, well, tell, tell us what you did and then what you learned from the whole thing. Yeah. So our first joint venture ever um, was with a group of five people and we all threw in cash and, and bought a house together. Um, how long, how long into your journey was that? Was that early on or was that? It was about 10 years ago. This was a vacation home in the, in um, the U S we were just starting, you know, we, we did a lot of interesting things in the U S coming out of the financial crisis. We've even stood on the, on the courthouse stairs at an auction um, to buy properties. Um, But we threw in money. Everybody threw in an equal chair. We bought this house. Some people were using it just for their personal use. Others were renting it out. Um, But we didn't do it strategically, right? We didn't think about how we wanted to use this. We didn't think about things like an agreement very well. Um, You know, luckily, what saved us on this is you should always paper your deal correctly always have a great agreement. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that you should always do business with people that you'd write the deal on a back of a napkin with. Ah, that's really good advice. So what, so what's, what happened with the deal? It sounds like too many cooks in the kitchen kind of situation where, you know, everybody had different ideas and probably conflicts. Somebody wanted to use it at this time. Somebody else wanted to rent it out at that time, especially high season type stuff. Uh, Is is that kind of what happened? And how did you get You know, I think we did fairly well. We, we, it was a five-year deal, five of us, everybody got one Christmas, one Easter, you know, that sort of thing. It worked out well. Um, But yeah, when it was time to get rid of it, some people wanted to stay, some people wanted to get out of it. It had gone up in value. Um, So we came out of it really well. Everybody made some money and made a bunch of great memories. And that's the other thing about this business, right? It's a people business. You're providing homes or you're providing student accommodations or vacation rentals. And, and I believe it doesn't have to be a horrible business to be in. Um, so we, we created a lot of memories in this place. Um, and I think two or three of us sold out of it. Um, and that house is actually not far down the street from where I am right now. And the, the, one of the original people still owns it with, with a new partner. And it, it worked out okay. But oh, it taught us, even though we did it all wrong, it taught us again, like that first rental where, you know, we kind of did it all wrong with that property manager. We learned a few things. And so then we Mm. learned to get educated and start to invest in learning more about this so that we could do it properly. And that I think really helped us so that we could go to partners and both be and attract good partners. Excellent. 
which is really important. You need to own what your superpowers are, what you bring to the deal and what your shortcomings are and what you have to learn about a deal mm-hmm. in order to both to be a good partner first. And until you can do that, you shouldn't be trying to attract partners. All right. So that first deal was a single family home in Palm Springs. You had five, there are five of you all together on that. You kind of learned a few lessons. What did the next few deals with, with partners look like, or what did you end up transitioning into uh, out of that? Well, we ran out of money and qualifying, right? Yeah. As many people do. Um, so we sort of had to go, well, if we want to continue to grow, we have to figure out how to do this with other people mm-hmm. and get comfortable with having other people in these deals. Right. And, and sometimes and that reporting, is- reporting to other people. It's not just your, your, your own portfolio now. Now you're sharing it with somebody else. That's right. You lose a bit of that flexibility, gain strength in having two of you or having a larger network. Now you have the power of two networks, Mm. Um, you know, so there, there are different ways of looking at partnership, different considerations that you need to keep in mind. So we had to get comfortable with being a little more uh, disciplined around what we were going to do with these properties, how long we would hold on them what we wanted our growth to look like you so have what, to know what, what what did that look like Deanna what what kind of properties were you buying with partners around that time were they still vacation type rentals Canadians buying those in the states or or what kind of stuff were you doing with your joint venture partners return to, um, rent to own sorry um, RTOs okay. yeah. uh, which in was something Canada? in Canada okay and we wouldn't have been comfortable doing those on our own because you know on a rent to own you need to understand the property and the tenant and that long sale so so we found a partner who had the experience to do that and then we would bring in the money partners and act as the go-between ah smart yes so that's where we got our first taste of helping other people uh, to get into real estate who didn't know who didn't have the connections who didn't have the network and that is where the magic happened all of a sudden we weren't thinking that of them as investors or people who were allowing us to go do something. We realized we could actually help people who wanted to get into this, who just didn't have the education and time in the fields, boots on the ground that we did. Very, and, very cool. So yeah. just, I'm interested in that, Deanna, because I was in the, the rent home business for a number of years myself and worked with joint venture partners. So you were connecting the active investor with the passive investor. Were you doing that for a piece of equity or were you doing that for a fee? How did that, how, how were you guys typically compensated in those kind of deals? Equity, equity okay. and cash flow. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And so the next question comes in. Okay. That sounds wonderful. A lot of people would love to be connectors because yeah. they don't particularly want to actively do the deal and they, they may not have the capital just to be a passive investor themselves. So they like the idea of being the connector like you guys were. How did you, and you, you talked about bringing people out, allowing them to partake in, in a deal, but how does that conversation start? Who are you approaching? How are you bringing this up? So what did, if you don't mind sharing, Deanna, how did that look at that point in your capital raising career? That's a, that's a great one because I think so many of us um, and I think you talk, you know, I think back to some of the things that, that I heard you say sort of early on in this um, about talking to friends and family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you said, send them all an email, mm-hmm. which 
gave me heart palpitations. <laughs> well, right? I hopefully I said, well, let's warm them up first before we start <laughs> pitching deals. I, I hope I said that because if yes. we just sent them a, an email pitching a deal, that didn't work very well for me. Anyhow, when I tried. That. No. So you sort of, you know, you, you send an email, um, you know, to people that, you know, you don't know. And, and one other thing that I've learned in this is that it's not your business to look into their, their wallet. Mm. You're not, it's not your decision. Yes. And so we did sort of, you know, send that out there and you're right. It's not pitching a deal. It's saying, Hey, how are you? Here's a little bit of what we've been up to. Um, Here's a picture of, you know, a flip that we did. I mean, you don't want to do that sort of, Hey, look at me. Um, Mm -hmm. But a little bit more about your journey, what you've maybe done. Um, I have a great picture of uh, partners where we're all standing in front of Buckingham Palace together mm, on a trip there nice. where we got to toast to our partnership. And that's a really cool sort of story. Um, you know, it wasn't that this property's made us so much money that we had a private jet and flew to London. No, yeah. it's that we got to meet up in London, have this picture, see each other face to face and celebrate. And have, and have fun. Exactly. And it's, have it's some experience. fun. That's right. Nice. So, so we, we literally, I mean, I think you probably get, uh, you know, you don't get enough credit for that idea that you have said to just send, send a note out to people and say, Hey, this is what we're up to. If you have any interest, reach out and, and let's talk because we have found that we have more people approach us than we approach. And I think when you're authentic, when you approach it from the point of this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If you would like to come, come for the ride. Let's go have some fun with this versus the mistake that some people make, which is I must chase a number of doors. So I must chase money. I must chase investors. Mm. And I think there's, you know, we, we see that in sales. There's something called sort of solution selling where you look at the problem and help solve that versus trying to get out there and meet a quota. So that's what made us comfortable with working with others, with using, using other people's money. Um, was, in- was kind of getting, getting the word out then having them raise their hand, say, I'm interested. Yeah, because that conversation is so much easier to have than, like you say, chasing somebody down, trying to quote unquote, sell them on a deal. No, and that whole idea of using other people's money, we just put to the side. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is helping people who want to get involved in real estate. Nice. So that was your first kick in the can. That email went out once. And then how did you kind of keep the momentum going after that, Deanna? Having deals, having interesting deals, having Mm -hmm. something that set us apart, right? Why would people invest with us? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we have done that we continue to do because we preach a lifestyle by design uh, so if, if you work with us on a deal, you get a week at vacation property. Nice. And I think that is great. And you had better send me a picture, <laughs> <laughs> picture of you. but I also want you to post on your social media that you're at your investment property, Very right? Nice. Smart. This is our, our property in Curacao, or this is our place in Kelowna, wherever you may be, whichever project you're in with us. Um, so that so that the people who are involved with us can then attract people. And I, I literally just had this um, in December, a couple of our, um, I call them partners, uh, you know, investors in our, uh, we have a little boutique hotel in Curacao, we're there. Now their next step is they're helping a friend of theirs who just lost her husband mm. and she doesn't know 
what to do with her life or her money. And she's got a bunch of life insurance money there. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're worried for her that, you know, she's, she's just not doing anything with it. She is now interested in investing with them. Oh, very and cool. So now that ripple has just gone out another ring, which that was an incredible conversation to have by the pool at this property with these people and to see what we've done with them over the past couple of years on a couple of investments. Um, so, you know, include people. We love to share progress on things. You know, we reach out to people quarterly. We send an email out. We we thank the people that are involved. We get together with them. Uh, you know, we, we try to see them when we're traveling across Canada. You know, we have investors all over. We make a point of, of spending time with them when we can. Oh, that is wonderful. That is so smart, Deanna. So, so you're for your what I call your constant, consistent, edutaining communication. Sounds like you're doing newsletters on a quarterly basis, an electronic newsletter. Yes. Is that going out every month or or just once a quarter? Well, you know, Dave, I could use a little bit of of learning on your systems and automation. Um, it is literally an email that Darcy and I sit side by side and type out. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. As it, if it's working and it's going out consistently, there's absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that. So, so at this yeah. point, it's it's pretty much whenever you, you guys think about it, or do you have it scheduled in to go out certain times? We have it scheduled. You know, we send a Thanksgiving note, obviously, um, yeah. or we'll reach out to to investors, and we have some who really want to know. For example, I have a gentleman who who wants to know more information out the development deal that we're doing out in New Brunswick. Right. And so I, I, what I do is I reach out to him whenever there's a significant milestone. Mm. Um, but I have also said to him, please, anytime you want to know anything, or if you have a question, because sometimes we don't know when we're learning, or I may not think something is a significant milestone, but he might find it interesting because right. he wants to learn. And then the other thing that we're doing is um, we've, you know, recently launched a, a private REIT, a mutual fund trust. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. And so now we have access to these incredible professionals who are running these large multifamilies. And I'm doing a biweekly session in our Facebook group for those people. So we talked about elevators one week. Yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> it's a very it big is, deal. Right. Yeah. And it came up because I was on a call with a bunch of women and one of them is building a, a four-story multifamily. And she said they don't have the budget ready because she doesn't have the elevator budget. And, and none of us on the call knew how much an elevator was. So I said, well, we can find that out. And sure enough, in our community of women, we have someone who used to sell elevators for a living. <laughs> so I so, so you've created call. your own Facebook community, have you? Or are you part of one? That is one that we formed for our investors with the with the REIT, with WealthShare. We have a separate page there that people join and we can do updates there, which has been great. What a great way, you know, on that, we have a partner who is a realtor. She does often does market updates. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, that that what was your word for it? Edutainment? Edutaining communication. Yes. Yes. Um, You know, that's pretty easy to do um, Mm -hmm. in in that type of community in that format Um, and bringing some of the people who we work with, who we have access to, um, you know, that maybe someone who is just starting to look at buying their first multifamily, they wouldn't get to talk to to someone of that caliber but they'd love to hear from them for five or 10 minutes on, on an interesting exactly. topic. No, that's yeah. awesome. That is, 
you got a team effort there. You don't have to come up with all the content yourself. You've got all your team members chipping in, helping out with that. Oh, yeah. that is fantastic, Deanna. So now that you're transitioning into these bigger pools of capital, so it's, let me back up a second. So it sounds like for your joint ventures, that was a lot of word of mouth. That was very, very smart. You got out to your own sphere of influence first. You warmed them up. You, you, you kept going with those emails over time. Then very intelligently, you encouraged your investors to spread the word and, and show off what they're doing. That brought in people saying, hey, how, how are you able to do that? And then they connect those people with you. So that's that second sphere of influence. And now you're getting up into you know, the REITs and, and these kind of things. So now you're, you're going to have to broaden that sphere significantly. What right. are your plans for doing that, Deanna? That's a great question. Besides jumping on podcasts and letting people know about it, which is very yes. <laughs> what what else are you doing to, to get there? No, that's that's great. Um, yes, we you know I think that the philosophy is still that we are just offering the opportunity for people who want to get involved, mm-hmm. and that opens up the circle where we're not just looking at fellow investors. For example, we started WealthShare with the idea that it was built by investors for investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I always looked at REITs and they were for the, for the rich old guys uh, to buy these big buildings. We're doing a few things differently. You know, we started with a $500 minimum investment. Wow. Yeah. That's- so that allowed second generation investors or, you know, Dave's got this sister who's been sitting there talking about it, but always afraid to get involved. Well, she could put, you know, $5,000 worth of RSPs into this and try it out. Um, So we wanted to extend that circle a little bit to allow other people to just get a taste of investing in real estate. So that's one thing that we're doing. And I think we've seen quite a few, two generations of people. So, you know, which, which I love, you know, I have, I have two boys in their twenties. If we could just get kids to do one real estate deal, it changes their lives right? It allows them to have a bit of money. My, my son is just looking at selling his first. He had a purpose-built up-down duplex that he's going to sell. And he's looking at buying a fourplex in Los Angeles, which I don't Very think cool. I would have ever dreamt of doing. <laughs> but, <laughs> Maybe not, well, who knows? You, you, dream, you were starting to dream pretty big, pretty young. That's exciting stuff. So Deanna, unfortunately, time flies when we're having fun. And I'm definitely having fun here. But if people want to find out more about you, and what you're up to, what's the number one place they can find all things Deanna Boyden? I would say um, you could head to Facebook, find me there as Deanna Boyden, um, or drop me an email at deanna at wellshare.ca. Sounds like wellshare.ca might be a good place to go as well. That's a very good place to go. Thank you. <laughs> awesome, Deanna. It's been a lot of fun. Congratulations. And, and thanks for, for sharing the the ups and downs of your journey. It's been an exciting one, that's for sure. And it, it looks like you guys are up to wonderful things. So hats well, off thank to you, you for the up, guidance the you provided order. early on uh, to, to help us send out that initial email. Sometimes that is, you know, we do something scary like that and it gets us going on the path. So thank you, sir. You're very, very welcome. All right, everybody take care and we'll talk to you on the next episode.